0: It is our hope that these Bible prophecy updates will not only ready you and steady you for his return, but that they will also encourage you to share the gospel with others in order that the rapture will not be as a thief in the night. The older we get, the harder it gets to maintain friendships. We run short on time and energy and relationships seem to fall by the wayside. Today, however, Pastor J.D. reminds us that God doesn't let you give up that easily he's made a promise, he sticks to it. He's not about to let you drift through life with his influence. Now, don't forget to stay with us after today's Prophecy Update to learn how you can become a Facebook friend or watch the weekly Prophecy Update at jdfarag.org. Now, here's Pastor JD with today's Prophecy Update as shared on February 5th,
1: 2023. Today, I want to focus on last days prophecies concerning Christians being satanically seduced and doctrinally deceived. Yay! (laughs) Here's why. The description of the church in the last days is one of compromise and corruption, vis-a-vis seduction and deception. What I hope to accomplish in our time together today is demonstrate and illustrate how this is happening, but more importantly, how God would have us to respond in light of what's happening. Now, there are many passages, many prophecies that speak to this, but we're going to look at just two of them today. The first of which is found in 1 Timothy, a prophecy we talk about often. And the second one is in the book of Revelation. It's one of the seven letters to seven churches, literally at that time known as the area of Asia Minor but we know it today as the modern day nation of Turkey and so these were seven letters written to seven churches literally at that time but prophetically at the end of time so let's start with 1 Timothy chapter 4 verse 1 the apostle paul is writing by the Holy Spirit to Timothy and says, Now the Spirit speaketh expressly, explicitly, that in the latter times some shall depart from the faith, giving heed to, listen, seducing spirits and doctrines of devils, Did you know that the devil has doctrine? Demonic doctrines. And this demonic doctrine, doctrines of devils, comes by way of seducing spirits. Very seductive, very subtle (laughs) effects added. (laughs) Revelation chapter 2. I want to begin reading in verse 12. This is the letter to the church in Pergamos. Now some of your Bibles render it Pergamum. This was a city there in Asia Minor, modern day Turkey. And we read verse 12, and to the angel of the church in Pergamos write, these things says he who has the sharp two-edged sword. I know your works, and where you dwell, (laughs) where Satan's throne is, and you hold fast to my name, and did not deny my faith, even in the days in which Antipas was my faithful martyr, who was killed among you. And he says it a second time, where Satan dwells. How would you like to live in a city where Satan lives? But, verse 14, I have a few things against you, because you have there those in the church who hold the doctrine of Balaam, who taught Balak to put a stumbling block before the children of Israel, to eat things sacrificed to idols, and to commit sexual immorality. Now, the reason I wanted to start with these, especially this prophecy and revelation, is that, again, they describe the church today, the last day's church, with chilling accuracy. And actually, both the prophecy in 1 Timothy 4 and Revelation 2 comport one with the other such that the core tenet is that of seduction and deception. If you'll kindly allow me to, for just a moment, I need to take a little bit of time to provide you with some very important information Concerning this church in Pergamos. First, the name is the nature, and Pergamos is no exception. It's a compounding of two Greek words, meaning mixed, perverted, elevated, marriage. Per, perverted, gamos, gami, marriage think, managami, polygami. So in other words, the name was descriptive of the nature as the name is the nature throughout Scripture, particularly and chiefly, supremely, (laughs) with the name given above and beyond all names, the name of Jesus. So the name is the nature. And this was the nature of this city, and specifically of this church. The nature of this church was that it was a mixed marriage, perverted, a mixed marriage to worldly government, as it were, so as to be elevated by it. And it's evidenced by this reference to those in the church who held to the doctrine of Balaam, who taught Balak to seduce Israelite men into mixed marriages and idolatry, sexual immorality with Moabite women. In our second service study, Peter is going to refer to the greed of Balaam, which is the catalyst to what John refers to here in Revelation as the doctrine of Balaam. I suppose you could say that both the prophecy update and the second Peter teaching go hand in hand together. Actually, I I stole Peter's reference to Balaam, and I'm using it for the prophecy update. I hope you don't mind. Now, it should be noted that Balaam is mentioned in Numbers, Deuteronomy, Joshua, Nehemiah, Micah, 2 Peter, Jude, and Revelation. One commentator observed that Balaam is talked about more in Scripture than Mary, the birth mother (laughs) of the Savior of the world, and there's a reason that he is. And we need look no further than to where it all began back in the book of Numbers chapters 22 through 25. I actually blew the dust off my archive notes, so to speak, and we actually went through the book of Numbers in 2010, 2011. Fascinating study. That might come as a shock to some of you because, after all, it's the book of Numbers. What's the book of Numbers about? Numbers. Well, that sounds boring. It's anything but. It's one of the most exciting and fascinating books in all of the Bible along with all of the other books in all of the Bible, but particularly the book of Numbers, because we're talking about it today. So it all started with this Balak guy. He's the king of the Moabites, and he's being threatened by the numbers of the Israelites. So this prompted Balak who was motivated by fear, to hire Balaam, who was motivated by greed. And there's an enormous amount of money involved appealing to Balaam's greed, which again Peter's going to talk about, which is why he then agreed in his greed, did you like that play on words, to curse the Israelites. Problem. He can't curse them. Why can He not curse them? Because God is for them. And so you know how this went down? This is in the book of Numbers. It's so fascinating. Here he goes to pronounce this curse upon the numbers of the Israelites. And what comes out of his mouth? A beautiful, magnificent blessing four times. He cannot try as he may. I command the blessing of God upon you, Israel. (laughs) That's, um, it's so glorious, especially the last one. Oh my goodness, I would really encourage you to spend some time in the very boring book of Numbers, (laughs) in your own time in God's Word. It is so rich. Only a blessing came out. And this after the well-known and often quoted account of Belatim's donkey. Oh, this is a um, an animal, a donkey. I won't use the King James word for it. I affectionately refer to him often because I truly identify <laughs> with Him, because if God can speak through a donkey, well, He can speak through me. You know, it's accounts like this that, not that I need more, but it's just another reminder among many of how God has a sense of humor. Uh, God invented humor, by the way. And uh, laughter, very medicinal. Laughter is very serious, by the way. Humor, God invented humor. And I love passages like this, because you can see God's sense of humor. Not just in the fact that he would have a donkey speak to Balaam. He would speak to Balaam through the donkey. But what's so humorous is that Balaam speaks back to the donkey. Not only does he speak to the donkey who's speaking to him, he actually gets into an argument with the donkey. <laughs> and he's beating the donkey. I'm like, wow, God, I love passages like this. This is, this is funny. <laughs> and he actually tells Balaam, listen, how long have I been your donkey? Oh, yeah, long time. Have I ever done anything like this? No, you haven't. Why are you beating me up then? Okay. I better uh, bring it back here. So, he speaks through this donkey. Why? Because he's trying to stop Balaam from going any further in his plan to pronounce a curse upon Israel. And so as it ends up, he basically reminds Balaam, who needed to apparently be reminded that you're not going to curse them. You're going to try, because you want the money, but I'm not going to let you. You're only going to say what I'm going to let you say. How about that? So he keeps going. I don't think he cares as long as he gets paid. That's his greed. Well, be that as it may, Balaam fails to curse the Israelites, and the reason he fails is one of the most fascinating in the entirety of Scripture. Now, we're told with specificity the total numbers of and configurations with the 12 tribes of the Israelites divided into four camps in Numbers chapter 2. And I'm sure many of you have several verses from Numbers chapter 2 as life verses. The numbers of the Israelites were this, the camp to the north, the camp to the south, the camp to the east, the camp to the west. That's my life verse. No, it's not. Nice try. So these totals of all the tribes, with the exception of the Levites, the priestly tribe, who were numbered according to their armies, comes in at a total of 603,550. You're supposed to say, wow, that is so uninteresting to me. Why do I need to know that? I'm so glad you asked, because this is what Balaam would have seen. you got the tabernacle in the center, And by the way, the tabernacle, our our study of the tabernacle, three sections, the Trinity, seven furnishings, the number of completion, arranged in the shape of a cross, right in the center of the camps of the Israelites. And when you look at those numbers, one direction would have been longer than to the other, and then the sides would have been equal, and it would have been in the shape of a cross before a Roman cross for crucifixion had ever been invented. I love it when God does that. Well, no wonder he couldn't curse them. There's even the detail in the narrative where Balak is so frustrated and angry, you know, Balam, I'm paying you big bucks. And and instead of cursing them, you're doing the opposite. You're blessing them. What's up with that? So what does He do? He takes them to a higher elevation, thinking, well maybe, you know, because there's so many numbers, we just read, this is just the armies, the men, over 600,000. Maybe we need to go to a higher elevation so they're all in view. Then you can curse them. No, that's worse, because the higher up I go, the more I see the cross. I cannot curse because of the cross. There is therefore now no condemnation, no curse, no guilt, For those that are in Christ Jesus, everything in the Word of God points to the person of Jesus Christ. Even the priests in their service in the tabernacle and subsequently the temple, when they would do the wave offering, and this is not the wave. (laughs) No, the wave offering was this way, this way, shape of a cross. They foreshadow a type that points to the finished work of the cross of Jesus Christ. So, he cannot curse them because of this. And here's the tabernacle right smack in the middle of the camps of the Israelites. It's such a fascinating study. The four creatures before the throne, the four gospels in the canon of Scripture, They all tie in together with the four camps. Twelve tribes divided and configured into four camps. And John 1.14 says that Jesus became flesh, became a man, and tabernacled among us, in the middle of us, as one of us and it's foreshadowed here. I cannot curse them because of the cross. And Satan cannot curse you because of the cross. Because there's no curse for those that are in Christ. Okay, now, we still have a problem. Because We know that Balaam ultimately succeeded in bringing a curse upon the Israelites in the end, which is why we have so many references to him doing that, chief of which is the one we just read in Revelation. Apparently there were those that were holding to specifically the doctrine of Balaam. What's the doctrine? A teaching. What was his teaching, his doctrine? He taught Balak how to seduce the Israelites. Well, how's he going to seduce the Israelites? With the Moabites. So here's the deal, Balak. I I still want to get paid. I know how you can do this. It's just not going to be this way. But here's a way. I cannot curse them, but they can bring it upon themselves. Well, how are we going to do that? Well, let me teach you how. You're going to get the Moabite women, and you're going to get them to seduce the Israelite men. And then they're going to commit sexual immorality, which will arouse the ire of their God, and they'll bring it upon themselves. That which I could not do and cannot do outwardly, they will do inwardly. And in that seduction by these Moabite women, these mixed marriages of the Moabites to the Israelites, this perverted marriage, Pergamos, they're also going to be given over to the idolatry and start worshiping the gods with a little g of the Moabites. And that'll do it. And make the checkout too, <laughs> because that's how to bring it upon themselves. This is a textbook case of, if you can't beat them, join them. Yes, the gates of hell won't prevail against the church, so it joins the church. And apparently, they had joined the church in Pergamos, literally, and so too are they alive and well in the church today prophetically. It's for this reason I titled the second service sermon The Casualty of Spiritual Immaturity Such That Belatims Prey on the Vulnerable. Can I say it like this? The seducible. I think we do err greatly when we're naively dismissive of the casualties of seduction satanically and the ensuing deception doctrinally. You know what's really sad? We're told the number of the casualties that day in Numbers chapter 25 verse 9 It says, those that died in the plague, plague, they brought it upon themselves, were 24,000. 24,000 casualties, avoidable casualties.
0: Thanks for joining us for today's edition of In Spirit and Truth with Pastor J.D. Some of what you've heard today may have encouraged you in your faith, And at times, it may have brought up more questions that you would like answered. If you're wanting to get in touch with us, go to jdfarag.org and find the contact link at the bottom of the page. That's jdfarag.org. There, you can let us know some of the questions you might have, and we'll get back to you and try to answer those questions as best we can. While you're on our website, feel free to check out additional teachings from Pastor J.D., If what Pastor Diddy shared today has you really confused about what it means to know Jesus and life beyond this life, there's a resource for you that might be helpful. At jdfarag.org, find the ABCs tab. This will walk you through what it means to have a saving knowledge of Jesus and what that means for you going forward. Once again, our website is jdfarag.org.